of honor to Pastor Wright, Pastor David Wright. He's, uh, and, I, and I don't say this as any sort of slight to the other uh, congregations, but when they first announced the, the change and the dividing up of the congregations, I know for me in my house, I, was, I, I know where I wanted to be. You know, I mean, I, and there was nothing against the others, but I, I love Pastor Wright. He is a tremendous man of integrity, and, and not just that, but he's a man that cares about our souls, cares about our families, and I, I can't imagine serving and working and, and being led by anybody else. Amen. I give honor to all the all the leadership here. Um, I know there are many probably better choices to minister tonight, but the, the Holy Ghost has me in his time. I, I can assure you that. Um, and I, I don't say this boastingly. The last time I ministered here, the Lord told me about two weeks in advance that I was going to preach what I was studying at, at Antioch. And I was, at the time, I might have just been in, uh, ministering on a college campus. I was, you know, I was not a congregational elder. And, well, you know, it's not the kind of thing you say to anybody. You know what I mean? And about two weeks later, I got a phone call from Pastor Wright. Brother, do you have anything that you feel like you want to share? As a matter of fact, I do. And, and uh, I had the opportunity to preach at my grandfather's funeral not too long ago. And the Holy Ghost told me that day that I was going to preach most of that at Antioch. And uh, I had kind of forgotten about it, frankly. And I was listening to the audio Bible as I was driving, and I heard some of the scriptures again, and the Holy Ghost quickened to me, you're going to preach that at Antioch. And lo and behold, a little while later, I got a text this time from Pastor Wright. Do you have anything that you can share? You know, or you feel like you, you want to share? And I said, absolutely. And if I didn't have that, I, I wouldn't be standing here this, this evening. I would have told him, there's, there, there's somebody else who's got a word, because I'm not here to waste your time. And I'm not here to waste my time. And I want somebody's life to be impacted and changed, if not my own. Amen. Uh, so that being said, why don't we go ahead and just uh, stand for reading of the word. And then uh, we will pray and you can be seated. And I will hopefully not flounder too much. <laughs> going to read uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. Do you guys have the scriptures? I emailed really. Okay. It's talking about the, the Jews. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Lord, we love you today, Jesus. Lord, I feel a deep, a deep presence of your spirit here, Lord God. Lord, I pray right now, Lord God, that you would... Use me, Lord God, that I would just be a conduit for you, Lord God. Give us ears to hear, Lord God. Open up our hearts and our minds, Lord. Pour out your grace and mercy upon us, Lord God. Help us to fix our minds upon you, Jesus. Help us to be changed, Lord God. Help us to be molded, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's You can be seated. Thank you been so long since I've preached without Brother Nandy by my side, translating into Spanish. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I kind of like it because you, you say something and you have to pause and let it be translated, and it gives you a minute to think, what am I going to say next, Lord? <laughs> so it's, been, it's, been, 
seven or eight years since I've preached without Brother Nandy translating for me. I love him very much and his family and his new son. Amen. And amen. I feel like we got robbed by the Holy Ghost, Isaac. I feel like we got robbed. I, I think that they, they think that it's Luke that wrote, wrote Acts. And I think that Luke robbed us. Because in verse 20, the angel of the Lord tells the apostles, go to the temple and speak to the people all of the words of this life. That, that word there being rhema, right? He instructs them, you're going to go there, and if I'm reading this right, you can put verse 20 up there if you don't mind. And, and I went through and looked at the Greek definitions and, and looked at it, and from what I can tell, they were instructed that they were going to go and, and teach this, this, this message, and it was basically everything you need to know about life. Well, who doesn't want to hear that message? You know, and, and, and what's better? If you keep on reading, they started in the morning, and by the afternoon, the Jews realized that they were out of the prison and went and found them and arrested them. So the Holy Ghost, or the, the, the angel of the Lord, knew how much time they were going to have. And yet he knew that they could teach all the words of this life in that time frame. Well, who doesn't want to sign up for that sermon, right? I mean, you know, sign me up for six hours. Give me all the wisdom I need for this life. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, come on, Luke. Acts chapter 2, you write, you write out the whole sermon that day. we got to read it, right? Acts chapter 10, he writes it all out for Cornelius. What's the matter? I mean, did he, you know, come on, man. We got robbed. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to have some words for Luke. Come on, man. Because th- this is what, uh, you know, I, I'm not real deep. I'm not real theological. I'm just trying to get to heaven. I just... I just want to go to heaven. And, you know, if I can take some people along with me, even better. But I, I really want to get to heaven. And so, you know, and I, I, you know, there's a trap door here, and somebody can hit it when I start going off kilter. But, you know, when they start preaching about the seven horns of dragons and the end times and the apocalypse, you know, how, how does that help me get to heaven? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's all great. It's all interesting. It's wonderful. Somebody asked me a question. I can answer the question. But I just want to go to heaven, right? And, and so I find that the, the simple principles in the word that I can apply to my life in every situation, that, those are the gold nuggets. I mean, that, that's what I want, right? And the Lord has been talking to me about some of these things. It's okay. I'm going to preach to myself tonight because these are the things that the Lord has talked to me about over the last couple of years. And um, But I believe that what Luke failed to tell us here in, in Acts chapter 5, there's a couple of things that I feel like the Holy Ghost can, can fill in for us. These are the things that help us get to heaven, right? You know, it... I'm not going to go go too far off offline here, but it's it's very similar. I, I have it up there, Matthew 28:19. We know this verse very recently here. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. 
you know, every other translation, NIV, everywhere else, it's basically, you know, therefore go and make disciples, which is obviously what we're striving to do, right? It's, it's our big push right now, and it's awesome. Um, but these two verses are very similar. I mean, you know, go and do something, right? Go and do something. Acts chapter 5, verse 20, go, stand. The word stand there means to, 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 to be unwavering with a steadfast mind, right? And speak, I believe, therefore I have spoken, right? It, it, it's very simple stuff, right? It, it, it is the year of doubling, right? E- easy, right? Woo, yeah, no problem. Yeah, woo, yeah, okay, great. I got a question for you. How's that going for you right now? Right? I mean, I'm not going to ask him because this guy's running about 140 in the span of about a month, right? I mean, you know, he says, you know, he, he needs to preach for us here before too long. Amen. But for the rest of us, right, I remember, you know, I was doing a campus ministry and, you know, I was a mediocre guitar player, you know, and they asked me if I'd go lead worship at, at Fort Meade and before too long, they asked me if I would take over Fort Meade. Great. No problem. Go and make disciples. We're just going to show up, hang out the side, and open the doors, and they're going to flood in. Before you know it, we'll be running 400, 500. I mean, you know, it's an easy, easy game, right? It just says go and make disciples. That's what we're going to do. Easy. Well, my experience wasn't so much easy, right? That's why I need Luke there. You know, come on, man. What are the words of this life, right? And I don't, I don't know where he went, Brother Mott. If you don't know that, he's like one of the smartest people I've ever met. He, he's like a smart, smart guy, right? I worked for him for a couple of years, and he, he, him and his father have a company where they, they distribute and sell pumps and mechanical seals and valves and things for wastewater plants and power plants. And if you have to move liquid... He's your man, right? So I go to work for him, and, you know, he's, he says, I just need somebody that's not afraid to walk into a factory and say hi to somebody, and I'll teach you the rest. Okay, I, I can do that. Well, you know, basically the job was they break things, and we sell them new ones, right? Well, we go to the first place, and, you know, the pump breaks, and I'm thinking, this is great. I'm going to sell him a new pump. Ooh, that was like five five thousand dollars. That'll be a fat commission for me. You know, it's this easy easy game, right? Well, put in a new pump. They turn it on, and that one breaks. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, this is great. I'm going to sell him another pump. You know, but no, that's not really how it works in the real world because there is, you know, and, and he can tell you more about it. There's a whole process you go through to figure out what is the root cause of the failure. Because if you don't address that, it's just going to keep on failing over and over and over again. And Stu, Brother Mott, I'm sorry, he's one of these guys that, you know, he walks up to this huge contraption of machinery and pipes and looks around and pulls out his calculator and he's doing some sort of weird equation that you find in a book this thick, you know, and... Okay, well, your problem is that, and he, and he knows right away, and you're like, oh, man, this guy is sharp, you know. I mean, it's, 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 it's neat, neat stuff, but 
you know, and, and my friends from the Latino congregation know, I always want to talk about what applies in the natural, applies in the spiritual, right? I want to know what the root cause of my failures are. Because if I can get to that, I'm going to have a better chance of success the next time, right? And so I started looking, you know, at first off, you know, of course, because, I mean, I'm, I'm perfect. I mean, there's nothing wrong with me. I mean, you know, I, I can't see it, right? I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. So I started looking at some people that, you know, have had success. You know, let's model ourselves after people that are doing it right, right? And, and uh, you know, looking at these verses I just read, my grandfather was one of those guys. And he, uh, he, <laughs> some people say they have, you know, movie star looks and, you know, whatever. He, he actually had it. He was a, he was an actor and a model and a, and a movie guy and, he took it, you know, pictures of him, and he was like Mr. GQ, Mr. Mr. Buff, Mr. Suave. He was, I don't know what happened in the genes. Two generations, it got diluted out. I don't, I'm not sure what happened. But he was, I mean, he was a stud. I mean, he was the man. And, you know, he had the lifestyle that went along with all that. And he had a powerful conversion experience. And the rest of his life, he was a disciple maker and a preacher. And so much so, I mean, like, you know, one of those guys that we think, oh, that guy's nuts. And I, I'll never forget, I was in sixth or seventh grade, and my grandfather, he believed. You weren't witnessing for the Lord until you've been arrested a few times. Doing it. I mean, you know, I mean, he's not one of these guys, he's going to, you know, he's going to, He's going to push until he gets arrested, because that's what witness it is. I mean, and so he had this, I'm sure it wasn't old, in my mind it's old, because now they're old, but these one of those great, huge Ford Broncos, back in the day, when they were probably nice and new, and he had these huge speakers on the top of it. And he would drive around, and if he saw some people, attention, attention, repent, be baptized, Jesus Christ is coming soon, repent, be baptized, Jesus Christ is coming soon. I mean, you know, and he loved to go down because he, he was a big Chicago Bears fan, and he loved to go down to Lake Champlain, you know, during the preseason. And he would, you know, he 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 was with a friend of his. Guy told this story at the funeral, and he had a handful of tracks, and he was going to go into the Bears locker room and put them in all the lockers. And the guy was like, "There's no way you're going to get." And he's like, "Come on, man! If we if, if we get arrested trying, we're get, we get arrested trying." And he said, sure enough, the guard let him right through and said, oh, the players would love that. And they went in there and passed out tracks in every locker for every Chicago Bears player. You know, if you didn't try, maybe one of those guys read that. and it, yeah, Who knows? But you know what I mean? He was that kind of guy. And I'll never forget, I was in seventh or eighth grade, I forget. And I don't know what it, if we were getting out of school or going on a field trip or something, but somehow or another... The whole school was assembled on the front lawn waiting for buses or something. And I'm standing there with my buddies. And I mean, that's a, a vulnerable age anyway, right? And out of the corner of my eye, I see this Bronco turn the corner. And I said, oh, no. Sure enough. Attention, attention. Repent. Be baptized. Jesus is coming soon. 
hey Phil, hey Phil, hey Phil, see you later. And, and I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, if there was a rock to crawl under, I'd have been under the rock, I promise you. But as you reflect upon those kind of things, and at the funeral, person after person after person after person told stories about, they, they had a wooden cross, probably two times the size of that one, and they would just go walking around the mall and walking through schools carrying the cross and passing out tracts. I mean, you know. But the man, they were missionaries from all over the world that came to his funeral in the western suburbs of Illinois in the middle of the sticks. I mean, he baptized hundreds if not thousands of people. I'm not sure it was all in truth as we know it, but the man was a laborer for Christ, Okay. And I was, I, was, I was humbled being there. Um, but as I got to thinking and being convicted about what is the difference between him and me? What is the difference between a guy like that and a guy like me? I mean, let's just be honest. I'm holding the mic on a Thursday night. I can't be all that bad, right? I mean, I, you know... I, you know, I show up to church, you know, I, I dance, I, I lead a congregation, I, but I'm not like that. I'm not, you know, we're, we're not supposed to judge ourselves by ourselves, okay? That's not, that's not what I'm saying, you know, feel my spirit. As I look at, go and make disciples, and I see somebody that does it, or did it, there were qualities in his life that were not resident in mine. Okay? You look at Paul. You know, there's a lot of, you know, it's a lot about Paul in the Bible. Shipwrecked, beaten, prisoned. You know. At some point you say, all right, Lord, you know. I, I, you know, I don't know, honestly. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could do it. Paul did. And the guy was... Maybe the most influential guy in the New Testament. So what, it is, what is it about them that I don't have, and how can I get it? Because, you know what? I want to go to heaven. You know? The Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life, right? Few that find it. Well, I want to be one of the few, and to me... The few kind of look like that. I don't know. I'm just saying. One guy's got thousands of people that call him a, a great disciple maker, and, and then there's me who's teaching a few Bible studies. I'm happy for him. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying. He's got a few years on me, but I'm, I'm still getting there. But, you know, I'm just saying. There's something inside of me that's not like was inside of him, right? Or Paul, right? I'm... I'm just preaching to myself here. I'm sure you all got it all together and everything's fine. But so the question becomes if you're trying to do a root cause failure analysis, you know, it's not how do we make disciples better? We know how to do Bible studies, we know how to invite people to church, we know we, we know how to do it. The question is what is it about me that needs to be a better disciple maker? Right? That's the, that, that's the better question. We can have all the programs in the world. We can have all the oikoses in the world. If we don't 
look at ourselves and try to improve ourselves, it'll just be another program. I'm just, I'm saying, I'm, I'm just, I've got faith for it. I'm, I'm going to do my part. Amen? You know. As I thought about that, about my grandfather, the Lord took me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 19. Yeah, got on the screen there. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we were all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a, a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, and not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. He says it twice, the, the ministry and the word. You can go back to the first verse, 14. But that sounds to me like he gave to us, go and make disciples. This is Paul talking, okay? So Paul, this is Paul. So what does Paul say about himself? The love of Christ constraineth us. That's the key. I'm, I'm going to spoil the punchline here. That's the key, okay? The word constrain there, we think, okay, constrain. I got a couple suit coats right now that are a little bit constraining because I'm living the good life these days. But, uh, you know, it's not what this word means. The word constrain there means to press on every side. The visual is as a ship narrows for a straight, how they guide a ship. Or a cattle stock. I don't know if anybody here has ever farmed cows. I have. It's no fun. I wouldn't recommend it. But you have to drive the cattle into a stock where they can't move so that you can brand them and give them shots and do everything else. That's what the word constrain means. And the other, the last part of the definition is the one that, 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 that got me good. To hold completely as in a prisoner. And then you start reading Paul. How many times did he refer to himself? Paul. A prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm a, I, I am a servant. I'm a slave. I'm a prisoner. That's what that word constrain means. I am not free. Okay? Now, when I've read that, and Sister Belke, Sister Newell, you guys are going to start laughing because I preached on this topic for a long time in the Latino congregation. But... If you want to go to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Next verse. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 
You are not your own. I am not my own. I was bought with a price. The next verse, and we don't need Romans 6, 16 through 18, we don't need to go there, but it says, I was a servant to sin. The word servant there means slave, prisoner. But now I'm a servant to righteousness. I'm a slave to righteousness. You see where I'm going here? That knowledge, I am not my own. It cons- it constrains somebody so much to, I gotta I gotta do something. I can't do what I want to do. I've just got to do what I'm told to do. My grandfather, I don't think he liked getting arrested. I don't. He used to walk into. He used to drive by a bar, and if the Lord told him. He would stop his car, go in there, get up on a stool. You guys need to repent. You're going to hell. Repent. And he'd leave. Just because he felt the unction of the Holy Ghost to do it. I haven't done that yet. I'm working towards it. All right. My man. All right. I got I get your back too. How about we do it together? All right. But I think that, you know, and I talk a lot about it in the Latino congregation, there's a little bit of a curse to being an American because of the filter that we have of where we live. Freedom. We come here for freedom because nobody's going to tell me what to do on my property and nobody's going to tell me I can't own a gun and nobody's going to tell me I can't have an abortion if that's what I choose to do because I don't know God, right? We have freedoms here. I mean, it's not really freedom. You can't kill somebody, right? I mean, it's, but, you know, everybody has this mindset, freedom. You can't tell me what to do. Young people, I was the same way. I can't wait to get out of the house. I can't wait to go to college and I'll be on my own and I'll be free and it'll be great. We think that way. We think that way. And we have a hard time then applying this thought process to our lives. And we sing songs. And I love them. Freedom. Freedom. Right? Where's Jalen at? I mean, he, he, he fires up that music box there and starts talking about, he set me free. He set me free. I promise you, when he, when he fires that one up, Brother Schoenthal is going to be in an aisle somewhere getting my dance on. Right? They need to write the next verse of that song. He set me free. I'm a, I'm a prisoner to Jesus. I'm a prisoner to Jesus. I'm a servant to righteousness. A servant to righteousness. You know, are we still dancing then? It becomes, yeah, oh, Lord, oh, I love you. Right? right? I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, so the question is, I don't have it in there. If you could put it up, uh, Hebrews. Hebrews 12 and 14. Now we're off the notes. Here we go. You have, okay. Oh, this doesn't have the, uh, the letters. Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. I'm trying to go to heaven, right? My goal is to get to heaven. I'm supposing that it, that includes seeing the Lord, right? 
So therefore, to me, if I'm trying to keep it to the simple stuff, this is a pretty important verse, right? Funny thing here, if you read in your Bible, the word men is in italics. We know from the bishop and great teaching we have here that that means it was added by the translators. And it's, I believe, is that the word and is not in italics, but when you look at the, the, the interlinear Greek, uh, whatever the word is for the interlinear Greek concordance or whatever it is, the word men and are in the same translation. So I, I believe they added both of those words, okay? I don't think it matters either way, but the word men was added. It wasn't inspired by the Holy Ghost. And to me, it changes the meaning of the verse. Follow peace. The word peace there means one of the definitions of peace in that, I mean, I don't want to mess it up and have to be corrected. Interlinear here. Hebrews 12 and 14. One of the meanings of the word peace there is of Christianity, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. And the next one is the blessed state of a devout man and upright man after death. Okay? So the, the, the assurance in my soul that I'm saved is what peace is defined as here. Okay? That's what I'm supposed to follow. When the bishop says, or somebody says, preaches, follow your peace, that's just, that's following the Holy Ghost, saying, Lord, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here, so I'm just going to make the best decision that I have, and I'm going to have peace about it, and if you don't give me peace about it, I'll not do it. If I have peace, I'm going to follow my peace, because I believe that I have the Holy Ghost, and I believe that I have salvation, right? And I'm going to guard that, right? So I'm supposed to follow that. Get back on the screen, please. Follow peace with all. That means everything. Follow peace with everything you do, all right? And holiness. Or, you can read it, follow peace with all holiness. Depending on if you're going to add the internet. I don't think it really changes that much. But you can't separate following your salvation peace from holiness. If I'm reading the verse right. Pastor Wright can correct me, and, and don't, this is a Thursday night crowd, I, I'm, and I'm not going to preach any holiness, don't worry. But I believe that following that sense of salvation includes holiness. Right? So here's the question I have. We have a, a makeshift you know, pastor talks about holiness or, or our, our, our living for God, that you get saved and, and you know, we, we have boundaries that we place, right? You know, we, we all have some innate known boundaries. Well, I mean, I, you know, I shouldn't smoke crack. That's probably a good one here, you know. Over here, well, you know, I, I shouldn't steal a petty cash out of my boss's de- desk drawer. You know, it's a boundary over here, Right? And, and, and we all have those moral compasses. We all have those convictions. We all have the Ten Commandments. We all have what's taught and what's preached. We all have 
Everybody has their boundaries. Whatever your boundaries are, your boundaries, right? That's why we don't preach holiness standards, because everybody's is different. Mine might be here, yours might be here, his might be here. So I can't make, I can't make a general, this is, you know, except for the very obvious stuff, I guess. But everybody is different. So I'm not going to discourage you by telling you it's got to be here, or maybe yours should be out here right now. That's between you and God, right? But what happens to us? Ooh, I, you know, okay, I'm, I'm saved, I'm an Antioch, all right, got a campus ministry, here's my boundaries. Do, you know, I, you know, I can come, I can, got a lot of space and I can come right up to it, right? But if I'm trying to apply this verse to my life, what is the practical application of that? What is the practical, what can I do every day and follow this verse? What I was taught and what I do. Lord, here I am. In the boundaries that you and I have, have created with the help of my pastor or whatever, right? My parents. Is there anything in my life that is not pleasing to you? Is there anything in my life that you would like to see me maybe change a little bit? And you know, it's funny. There are some prayers the Lord never answers. And there are some prayers the Lord always answers, at least for me, okay? But I'll tell you, when I pray that prayer, and I'm sincere, and I'm hungry, and I'm trying to grow, the Lord answers that prayer and talks to me all the time. I, you know, and I've got a list of things that he's talked to me about that I might share, my, I might not share. I don't know. But it's to try to help somebody. One of the things early on, I was, you know, here for a couple of years, and, you know, I was one of the, you know, young guys that was doing great, and I was great, da-da-da-da-da. And the bishop started preaching about early morning prayer. Well, the problem was, in my mind, bishop, you don't understand. At the time, I was getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to work. I can't get up earlier than that. I'm a young man. I got a, I got a young bride. I, you know, I mean, I, I got to watch Seinfeld at 10 o'clock. I mean, I can't get up at 3 o'clock, right? I mean, you know. And up to that point in my life, I was growing. I was growing with God. And when the Lord said, let's move the boundary over here, and I said, no, that's not really for me, I plateaued, and I just stayed in the same place for a long time until me and God got it figured out. And that's what happens to all of us as Christians. We're all trying to get to be like Paul. But as soon as the what is a boundary, by the way? Can I define the boundary as the love of God? Because he is protecting me from things that will cost me my soul. Right? The boundary is the love of God. But when I start to say, oh, I'm not sure I'd like the love of God right here anymore. I'm just going to sit in the same place until, until God decides to change it for me. Right? Versus somebody 
that is constantly submitting their life to God, and before you know it, 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 little change, little change, little change, little change, before you know it, you are in the stocks, and you are constrained by the love of God. So what's the difference between Paul and me? I'm telling you right now, my boundaries are out here somewhere still. I don't know where yours are at. I'm telling you where mine are at. What I can tell you is the lie of the devil tells you it's no fun to pull the love of God closer to you. The lie of the devil tells you that. I can tell you every time I make that move, God honors it because that's the principle. You know, Peter, Lord, is that you? Yeah, Peter, step off the boat. You know, it, it's, I love the Grace to Glory Bible study. Five weeks, this, they just hammer this theme at you. God extends grace. You have to respond with faith and obedience. And by the end, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, here's the plan of salvation. you got a choice. And it's been laid out so well, they have a hard time saying, eh. I've got three guys right now. In week three of Grace to Glory, Brother Mount, one of them is the guy who I called his name walking around that night when we did that. And, I, you know, I can see the twinkle in his eye. And I, I know it's coming real soon. He's going to go down in the water. I know that's not exciting to you. It's exciting to me because I'm, I'm trying to make a disciple. Right? But every time in my life I have pulled the love of God closer to me, it's been good. He has blessed me. Blessed me. I mean blessed me. Okay, well, you don't believe me. How about this one? I didn't grow up in an apostolic church, right? I was like everybody else when he talks about, oh, the first time I was here, everybody dancing around, you know, okay, whatever. I don't know how long it was before I decided that I was going to Take off, runner to dancing. I don't know how long it was. It was a long time. But you know what? You feel this little voice inside you that says, are you willing to dance? The Bible says, dance before the Lord. And you know what? I am not my own. I was bought with a price. I was a servant to sin, but now I'm a servant to righteousness. Do I have the right to choose if I dance or not? Well, you know, I'm like, well, I'm going to look stupid. But you know what? The first time I got down front, now you start feeling the joy of the Lord. You start feeling liberty that you never had sitting in your chair. But God's not going to let you feel that until you make the step. Go, make disciples. Go, stand, unwavering, and speak. Now... I mean, there's a couple tunes. I can, like, smell that first note. Oh, I like this one. Right? Like I said, I mean, I said earlier, I'm a mediocre guitar player because my right hand is, like, the rhythm just isn't good. You know, I mean, it's, it passes for marginal quality, but not good, right? So there's some songs that I've got a hard time dancing to because I just don't have the, you know. But the ones that you can bounce to... Uh, it, I'm there. It's all me, okay? 
Can I get real, real here with you? It's, it's going to get tight in here in a minute. How about your money? Now, see, I love preaching about money because I'm not the preacher here. So you can't sit there and accuse me of, well, that guy's driving a nice car and he's got a nice house. And, I, you know, I don't take a penny out of this place. It's a one-way street, right? So I'm, I'm not trying to get your money. It's not coming to me. I'm trying to help you get to heaven. It's a, I mean, it's a hard thing. Well, you got to pay 10%. Oh, man, that's a lot of cheese. That's a lot of money. But you know what? One day you just got to decide. I am not my own. I was bought with a price. This is not my money. What's, what servant has his own money? I'm just wondering. Just what slave, what guy in prison makes that money? This money is mine. I'm not talking about money, all right? I'm talking about a mindset. I'm talking about a, if you want to talk about, how about go back one chapter to Acts chapter 4 where they had all things common. Where they sold everything they had and came and laid it at the apostles' feet. I'm not talking about 10%. I'm talking about 100%, okay? I'm not suggesting we do that, and I don't think anybody here is. But I think what they're laying out is the principle of, you know what? 100% of the money is not mine. I was bought with a price. I am not my own. I was a servant to sin, but he set me free, and now I'm a servant to righteousness, and he gives me the strength, and everything I have is his. And when he says he wants it, the only answer is, yes, Lord, how fast can I get it to you? And you know what? I do my best to live by that. I, I do my best to live that way. The Lord... I, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I've got a thriving business. I've got a healthy family. I've got a nice house. I'm, I'm, I am blessed. But you know I, why I'm blessed? Do you want to know why I'm blessed in my mind? Because the Lord knows whatever has my name on it is His. That's the way I think. That's the way I'm trying to think. Because that's what Paul thought, right? <laughs> How crazy do you want to get? I had, and I'm talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I am not preaching anything to anybody. I'm talking about me, all right? When you ask God about what can I do, God will talk to you, all right? So if I will share what God has talked to me about, okay? Has anybody here struggled to lose weight? Anybody? Anybody? I got up to 250 pounds at one point. I got out of the Air Force at 205. I had young kids. I had pain in my body from just being overweight. I had a hard time getting up and down the stairs. But by the way... Going back to worship, sometimes 
when I've got a bad shoulder or a bad knee or a bad back and I decide I am not my own and I'm here to worship and I start worshiping, my pain goes away. I'm trying to help somebody. Don't let that be your excuse because God will use your worship to heal you, right? We went on a bunch of diets and I, you know, I'm sorry. The Spanish congregation converted me. Yo quiero Taco Bell. I mean, I just, I mean... I'm busy during the day. It's easy to run through fast food. You go through 7-Eleven. They got the taquitos there. They're four for four forty-four. How can you pass that deal up? It's all those little things that lead to a little extra weight, right? And we all try to diet. We all try to, and no, I mean, very few people are actually successful doing it, right? Because we all want to lose weight. Nobody's real happy with how they look, right? I mean, let's just be honest here, right? So one day. The Lord says to me, so you're a servant to righteousness, huh? Yeah? And you are not your own, right? Yeah? Yeah, all right. Well, Daniel was a slave, and did he get to choose what he got to eat? Does a slave or a servant or a prisoner choose what they eat? Lord, come on, Lord. You know. Lord, I like my, my, I like my borders where they are, Lord. Lord, this is good right here. Let's not talk about this one. And, we, you know, so my wife and I, we decided we were going to do one of these crazy diets where, you know, you can't eat nothing fun. And, uh, but basically the, 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 the principle of the diet, which is, by the way, how I also train my horses, according to the God's word, right? We only ate things that God made for us to eat. Novel idea, right? Meat, vegetables, fruit. The Bible says that the wisdom of man is foolishness in the sight of God. But you look at the ingredient label on most things, and it's full of high fructose corn syrup and every kind of processed weird thing that man invented. All right, Lord, well, if we're going to have to do this, we're going to have to do this, right? And we went on this diet. But now... It wasn't just a diet because my pants were a little tight and I needed to lose five pounds. Now, for me, it was a matter of my holiness. It was a matter of my salvation. So when I walked into the 7-Eleven and I said, if I order the taquito, I put my soul in jeopardy, but there's a fruit cup right here. Easy choice. I didn't have a problem with the discipline when I, when I was thinking about, I am not my own, I was bought with a price. Does it please God to eat this? Now, obviously you can tell, I, I got down to 185 pounds before we stopped. Um, and we actually started back on it here this week because old brother Schoenthal has been expanding his boundaries and not being constrained. If you, But the principle is there. You know, when I was just trying to diet, my flesh was in charge. But when I was trying to diet as a principle of holiness and my spirit man, the Holy Spirit was in charge, different story. You know, I don't, I don't know who said it first. I heard Pastor Wright say it, but, you know, we talk about, you know, you, I got the Holy Ghost. But here, more than ever, it applies. But does the Holy Ghost have you?
I am not my own. I was bought with a price. You know, I always wondered, the book of Philemon, what in the world? Like this one-page thing about a slave getting returned to his master. What in the world is this in the middle of the Bible for? And then all of a sudden, when the Lord started talking to me about, I'm a slave to righteousness, and he, you know, by the way, the slave's name was Onesimus, which means profitable. How will the Lord deal with me when I'm an unprofitable servant versus how he'll deal with me when I'm profitable? He will take me back. He will put me back into the fold. He will. It's an encouraging book from that perspective when you realize that I'm a slave to righteousness too. That Paul's got my back. Right? It's a great book now. I love it. It's easy to read. Whoop, read a whole book of the Bible today. All right. I don't know what time it is. I... You know, going back to the theme here, when you find yourself frustrated with anything, with life, family, your ministry, what have you, when you, when you are feel like you're frustrated and just... The best answer is, the best question to ask is, who is running my life right now? And the answer is 99.965% going to be you're running your life right now. That you are not constrained by the love of God. Because if you're constrained by the love of God, it's an easy game. It's an easy game. I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. But I want to share with you where I'm trying to get to so that when you see me sitting down during worship and you see me with a frown on my face and you see me miss service two weeks in a row, you, you can ask me, hey, Brother Schoenthal, are you your own or are, are you a servant to, to sin or righteousness or where are you at right now? Ask me. I'm, t- I'm asking you. Ask me that because to me, that is the most fundamental question that I've found to answer every situation in life. I'm having marriage problems. You know what? Have I been acting like I am my own, or have I been acting like he, I am his? Well, I've probably been acting like a jerk. Okay, well, I'm at, wrong, I'm, I'm at fault. I was the worst. People would come to me for counseling. I'm, yeah, I was terrible at it because have you prayed? Have you read the Bible? You're wrong. <laughs> you know, it's just not hard. Are you your own or are you not your own? What does the Bible say about this? Okay, so you're wrong. I mean, if you want somebody to give you a hug and tell you that it's going to be okay, I, I, it wasn't me. That's maybe why, you know, I don't know. I, you know. <laughs> I apologize to my Oikos people. <laughs> no, I'm teasing, but not really, but yeah. Amen. This is the year of doubling. It's not just going to happen because we say it's going to happen. It's going to happen because some people start to realize I am not my own. And I was bought with a price. And I was a servant to sin, but thank God now I'm a servant to righteousness. And, and it's going to get to the point where I'm going to order my life 
And before you know it, I am constrained by the love of God. And because my life is that way, things just happen because the Holy Ghost just uses me. Lord, we love you today, Jesus. Lord, I just want to go to heaven. Lord, I believe that anybody here on a Thursday night to hear me wants to go to heaven really bad too. Lord, I pray that your grace and your mercy right now would fall in this place, Jesus. Lord, I pray for people here, Lord God, that have heard this before, Lord, that it would be a fresh, a fresh anointing, Lord God, a fresh hunger, Lord, a fresh desire, Jesus, birthed in them tonight, Lord God. Lord, to love, Jesus, following your peace with your holiness, Lord God, to love being constrained by your love, Jesus, to being compelled, Lord God, to viewing their life and ordering their life as the way it should, Lord God. I am your servant. Lord, for somebody here, Lord, who's, who's never heard this before, Jesus, Lord, I pray that it would spark a fire, Jesus, your all-consuming fire, Lord. Lord, I pray right now, and I would ask you to join me, Lord, with all sincerity, Jesus. Lord, look at my heart, Lord Jesus. Your word says, I don't even know my own heart, Jesus. Lord, show me the things in my life, Lord God, in my heart that I don't know are there, Lord God. Show me the things, Jesus, that you're not happy with, that you could ask me to change, Lord God. I want to do those things, Jesus. I need your grace and your help to do those things, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. It's, a, it's relatively early. I thought I was kind of long-winded, but good. Amen. You are dismissed. Unless you have something.